Our lesson this morning is showing God's love to the world. How can we properly show God's love to the world? There are various ways in which we can reach out to those around us and to show them how much God cares for them and how much God loves them. But ask yourself this question. Would you listen to someone tell you about the love of God who doesn't love their own brethren? So that's where we're going to start this morning. That before we can show God's love to the world, we must first show the world the love that we have for one another. It'd be hard to take marriage advice from someone who's been divorced four or five times, wouldn't it? It'd be hard to take, you know, advice on how to control your drug problem from a drug addict. It'd be hard to hear someone talking about love who hates so many people, or is angry at so many people. So we're going to look at how we need to first show the world how much we love one another. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, beginning here in verse 1, the Apostle Paul says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and have not charity, have become a sounding brass or as a tinkling cymbal. The word charity there is meaning love. So he says, if he doesn't have love, it's like that annoying sounding brass. You ever been at home and you hear something beeping and you go on the search for it because it's annoying, you can't figure out what it is, there's a beep, maybe there's an alarm going off somewhere, you go on that search to find it to shut it off because it's driving you crazy. That's how love is, or how these things are here with uh, those who have the, this knowledge and have tongues of men and of angels, I mean, they say the right thing, so there's no love, he's saying it's just annoying because it almost sounds as if they really don't mean it. He said they become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. He says, and though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing, meaning I can have all the knowledge, have all the know-how, and have all the ability to tell others about, in our case, we're talking about this morning, about God, but if there's not love, it's going to be very hard to listen to it. He says here, without charity, he says, I am nothing. He goes on to say in verse 3, Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profits me nothing. You can do all the good you can possibly imagine in the world, but if there's not love in your heart for one another, then he says it is nothing. It profits him nothing. You know, we go back to Matthew chapter 6. That is all about the majority of it. It's, all, it's about doing things that are good, but doing it for the wrong reason. Public prayers, but doing it for what reason? So people will hear you. Fasting, but fasting is such a way to make sure everybody sees you. Doing good deeds will make sure that you get praise from men and see you ruin the good by the, by the reasoning behind it. And here we find in 1 Corinthians 13, though you can do all these things and, and have, be able to speak well, be able to have all this knowledge, be able to bestow all your gifts to the poor and do all these good things, if there's not love, it boils down to nothing. It boils down to nothing. Is it true that we can have the truth of God's Word? But without love, it's going to fall on deaf ears. 
You know, we, we need to make sure that when we talk to people about the Bible, they understand we're not doing it out of hate or out of anger. Sometimes it's out of confusion because we don't understand how people can live in such ways. But there must be a love and concern there for those who we come in contact with. Think about this for a moment. Love requires us to be selfless. Selfless. I mean, we have to realize that not everything is about us. If you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 5, here again the Apostle Paul says, And this they did, not as we hope, the first gave, them, gave their own selves to the Lord, and unto us for the will of God. He's talking about those who helped the church grow, and how, how they helped Paul in his work for the Lord, and how they said here, they first gave their own selves to the Lord, which means they fulfilled their duties to God, and then they helped the Apostle Paul. Why would you do that? Because you're selfless. You're not worried about the time. You're not worried about the money. You're not worried about the materials. You're worried about only trying to help. And while time is a real problem, while money is a real problem, while materials are a real problem, that's where it comes to the idea of us, because of our love, we sacrifice and we do things. He tells us there in verse 5, he says, And unto us, by the will of God, they gave up their selves, their own selves to the Lord, and to us. They gave of themselves. They were selfless people. Love requires us to be selfless. As the world looks in upon us and sees us only talking about me, myself, and I, they're not going to come and be a part of me, myself, and I. The world already has plenty of that. Why don't they even come here for more of it? No, they want to see people who want to do what, what God requires of them. They want to see people who actually love one another because today... In today's world, that's a very unique and strange thing to actually care for someone else who's not your own. To care for someone outside of your circle, of your family, of your friends, to show concern for someone else. It's such a rare thing that when it happens, someone videos it, it goes viral. Why? Because it's strange. It doesn't happen that often. Love often requires us to think the best of others. Boy, that's a hard one, isn't it? We don't always think the best of others. Sometimes because we've known the others for a while, it's hard to think the best of them. It's hard for us to think the positive or look for the positive and not focus on the negative. And trust me, when I say these things, I say these things as someone who has struggles with the same things. Because we come in contact with people that have give us reason to doubt their intentions. But look here, about, look concerning this in Psalm 19 and verse 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. The words of my mouth, the things that we say, these things also the meditation of my heart, the things that we think. If someone could read your mind for an hour, would you want them to? Probably not. Not in the bad day. Not when we're irritated with someone or irritated with some situation. We have to remember that God always sees and hears and knows all of our thoughts before they ever come out of our mouth. How do we think about others? Now the word of my mouth and the meditation of my heart and others be acceptable in thy sight. In the sight of who? The sight of God. Just 
because we think it's okay to think about certain ones or certain things in certain ways doesn't mean it's approved of in the sight of God. It's very easy not to think the best of others when someone's rude to you. They say something that makes no sense whatsoever. And we start thinking things about them. We can't be concerned about people and talk about certain situations. We have to be careful. We don't go into that idea that we just start bashing people because that's very easy to do. It's a very slippery slope. And it's one, it's hard to climb back out of once you're down there. Love also requires us, not so much different, to, to love difficult people. In Matthew chapter 5, in verse 46, here Christ speaking says, For if you love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same. Tax collectors, publicans, were known for being thieves. They'd come around and get their taxes, and they'd also get a little bit more to pad their pockets. They were hated for that reason. Not all of them did that, I don't believe, but some of them most definitely did, and so they had a very bad reputation. Well, those of them, this bad reputation, he says, they even love those who love them. You think those who everybody hates, they love one another because they, you know, their own love their own, right? But he says here in verse 46, what reward have ye if you do those things? If you just love those who love you? How much harder is it to love and show concern for those who want nothing to do with you? Who despise you, who talk to you, everything you come out of your mouth, they come back and they just critique it left and right for no good reason. Doesn't matter if there's any truth to what they're saying or not. It's hard to love difficult people. But it's something we have to do. Romans chapter 15, verses 1 and 2. We then that are strong not to bear the infirmities of the weak and not, not to please ourselves. Every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. What is he talking about? He's talking about that sometimes we have to put up with the shortcomings of others. Sometimes it's in their shortcomings in their Bible knowledge. Sometimes it's the shortcomings in their personality in the sense that they're not very polite. You ever met someone who thought, you know what, they wouldn't realize if they, they were rude if someone gave them a sign and said you're being rude. I'm convinced there's people like that. But you know what, those difficult people still need to be shown love to God. Whether they are brethren or not brethren. Look again at Romans 15 verses 1 and 2. We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please others. I mean, we have to put up with those who have difficulties, those who want to argue and maybe get upset about everything that comes down the line. We have to do what? Put up with them. We have to be long-suffering with them. And we do it for what reason? Not to please others. He's not saying every time someone complains, you give in and do whatever it is you want to do, because that's how the church becomes a denomination. It means we are patient. We are long-suffering. A very difficult thing to do. If you ever want to have a, a very uh, a test by fire, pray for patience. Because no one teaches it better than God. You know, a lot of Job's pain and agony he had to be patient to get through all that. Job 2 and following. He had to be patient and wait for God to deliver him. He had to be patient. Think about this for a second. Difficult people, 
does not need a definition, does it? When I first wrote this out, I had one. I thought, you know what? It doesn't need one. We all know what a difficult person is. They're difficult for various reasons. We have to only work with those people, which is not always easy. So there, for that reason, we have to be self-aware and not behave like a difficult person. Sometimes it would be better to ask before you even say anything, why am I upset about this? Why am I bringing this up? Is it even a good reason to bring this up? Sometimes it's just because we're having a bad day, we feel like complaining. That's not how we are behaving. You think about how many times Christ heard people complain during his earthly ministry. You know, the disciples complain sometimes. Asking who's the greatest, because some of them want to be the greatest. The Pharisees complained about the miracles of Christ because it's on the Sabbath day sometimes. They complained and questioned Christ before he fed the five and four thousand people because they wanted to send them away to the city. Christ heard a lot of complaining, didn't he? Does God hear a lot of complaining from us? As he hears our thoughts and he hears our prayers, how much complaining does he hear? We need to be careful with that. Second, before we show God's love to the world, we must show the world our concern for them. The world has to know that you care about them. One brother in Christ posted a series of points, I guess, that he was pointing out the error in the teaching of Max Lucado. If you don't know who he is, you're not missing anything. He used to be a preacher with the Lord's Church. He's not anymore. They removed the name off the sign because it scared people away. That's all you need to know, isn't it? He goes a lot more detail about why he did that. The various things they, they went to, even removing baptism as being essential for salvation, including instrumental music in their worship. Why did he do that? His thought was, well, it's about the numbers. We care about people. We don't care about so we'll just change. That's not what God desires from us. We show our concern for people, but without altering the truth. Look with me in Matthew chapter 14. We begin by first looking at the example here of the compassion of Christ in Matthew chapter 14 and verse 14. Here the Bible says, And Jesus went out, went forth, and saw a great multitude, and was moved compassion toward them, and he healed their sick. Think about this for a second. How much walking and standing and preaching and teaching did Christ do? I'd love to have someone give me an estimate of how far Christ walked while he was preaching and teaching. All the different journeys he took, how many miles it went, how many hours he spent every day teaching and preaching. And when they came to him, he never told them, I'm tired, come back tomorrow. He never said that. We find here, he said in verse 14 in Matthew chapter 14, as he went forth, he saw a great multitude, not in common situation. He sees a mass of people, doesn't say, Ooh, let's go the other way, we'll come back tomorrow. He doesn't ask the back door, ask for security, just for him out if he ever needed it. He never did those things. Instead, the Bible says he had compassion on them. The Bible says he was moved with compassion for them. And he healed their sick. Do you think Christ ever got physically tired? I don't think there's any doubt. 
You know, we have occasions where the Bible tells us how Christ went to a, to a solitary place to pray, and that was the purpose of it. We either make part of that purpose also was just to take a break from the disciples, from the multitudes, from everything else, and to have a few moments with God. Because every time Christ goes to a solitary place, he doesn't stay there very long, and he comes back and continues doing what he was doing. Look at verse 21 of the same chapter. He heals their sick, but is that all he does? He doesn't just heal them and say, okay, go away. No, they were hungry. Look at verse 21. And they had, they had eaten were about 5,000 men besides women and children. We talked about the numbers before. Easily three, four, six times that, whatever it may be. And he fed them all. He prayed to God before them all, performed one of his many miracles, and fed thousands of people after doing what? Verse 14, healing all their sick from the great multitude that came to him. He didn't allow physical fatigue to hinder him. I'm not saying it's wrong for us to get tired and, and take a break because Christ did that, the disciples did that. But he had compassion. That's the point we find here. He had compassion for them because he showed their concern for them. If he had turned them away and said, not now, would that have been very compassionate? When all of them were hungry there in chapter 14, and the disciples say, send them away because we don't have enough to feed them all. And Christ says, no, don't send them anywhere. They stay right here with us. And he fed them all because why? He had compassion for those people. We want to show people the love that God has for them. We must show our concern for them. And when we do that, they will see the love of God. Because when we show our compassion and concern for people, it also gives us a chance to tell them about the one who loves them so very much, doesn't it? We show the world our concern for them by love, not just by compassion, but by love. Look at 1 John 5, excuse me, not 1 John, John 15, right there, verse 12. This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Question, how much did Christ love his disciples? How much? Well, he's part of the reason he went to the cross, wasn't he? They were there learning of him. What word disciple literally means a learner. He cared for them deeply. The Bible also tells us that he would he loved them until the end, which means until he is sent back into heaven. Not until his death, but until he's sent back into heaven, he continues to he continues to love them, right? A deep sacrificial type of love, wasn't it? And he says, this is my commandment that ye love one another. How? What is the example? What is the standard? As I have loved you. That's quite the standard, isn't it? Sacrificial, not selfish, but caring and compassionate. You know, some would say, well, did you love Peter because you rebuked him several times? You think he ever rebuked Peter because he loved you? You think he put him out of the water when he came to him walking on the water and he let Peter come out and join him and he didn't sink? Why did he pull him up? Because he loved him. He could have said he's foolish. God let him sink, but he didn't. And when he rebuked Peter to his face, because Peter basically said, I won't let this happen, referring to his death, and he called references acts as you know, being of the devil. Why did he say that? Because he cared for that man. The same person in Acts 2 delivered a sermon that 3,000 people responded to. The same man. The same men who had gone 
and tell us that God gives us all things pertaining to life and godliness. God, Christ, loves Peter, just like he loves all of us. And that love is extended for us today, that we love one another, and that we show concern for those outside of, outside of the church as well. And because of our love for them, we will reach out to them. We show our concern for them, for the world, with truth. Truth leads man to God. Look at Psalm 43 in verse 3. Here he says, I'll send out thy light and thy truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me into thy holy hill and to thy tabernacles. What is he talking about that leads him there? He mentions two things, light and truth. That's it. God is the light. Truth is the way, right? Let them do what? Lead me. Let them bring me. What brings us to heaven? What brings us to God? The truth and the light that comes from him. Nothing else is mentioned there. Because nothing else is required. Truth and light, which centers from God, leads us to heaven. Leads us to all truth. Guides us in how we should live our life and how we can obey the gospel. It is those it is those two things that lead us. Lead me, bring me. Only light and truth do that. Only light and truth is mentioned here as what leads man to God. Not some other man, not some other teaching, not some other doctrine, not some tradition, but only light and truth. Let's look at some things that can hinder uh, showing God's love for others. A lack of love for our own. 1 John 3, verses 17 through 18, right? But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how love the love of God in him? A little treasure less not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. I mean, don't, don't be a person who's just of words. Be a person who's of action. Do things. Do things. You think about when Christ fed the 5,000, he didn't say, go and be filled and walk away. He gave them fish and bread, didn't he? He did something. When he healed the sick, he didn't say, just be healed and walk away. No, he actually healed them. He did things. Looking in at verse 17. But whoso hath this world's good and seeth his brother have need and shut up his bowels of compassion from him. Think about that. Shut up his compassion from him. He has compassion to give. He has the ability to help. But he doesn't. You want to hurt a brother or sister in Christ? Be able to help them but refuse. Have no good reason for it, and just no, not today. Yeah, you heard him deep. Look at verse seventeen again. But he shall have this world's good. Now he's, he's talking about physical things to be able to help those in need. But doesn't it go beyond that as well? That we we have the willingness and ability to listen to someone who is hurting. That doesn't involve physical needs. Someone who has lost a loved one. Someone who has lost a job. Someone who is struggling in various ways. And they just need someone to talk to. We can perfectly be able to sit down and listen to them. And we say, I can't do that today. But we're perfectly able to do so. You're shutting up your compassion from them. 
because it's much more than just the physical things. You know, I think there are some days you think when they give physically, it takes care of anything else. Well, I gave this, so I don't have to go over and do this. That's not how it works, is it? I gave X amount, I donated this, or I did this. I don't have to do the other. You don't have to. But we should. Compassion for one another. A lack of love for our own will drive people away. Can you imagine coming up to a congregation and you're traveling, and you walk in, you see everybody upset, you see red faces, you see people, you know, bodies, you know, their jaws clenched, they're upset, they're storming around, they're talking about people. Would you not be tempted to try and walk right back out? This must not be the right place. Because that's not how we are to behave. Lack of love hinders the truth. Which really comes right from what we just read there. Looking at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 14 and 15, the Bible says that we henceforth be no, no more children tossed to and fro, carried about every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they, they lie and wait to deceive. But speaking the truth and love, I grow up into him, into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Speaking the truth in love causes what? May grow up, causes growth. Speaking the truth in love causes growth. When I was in Arkansas years ago, one brother got up after I was doing the gospel meeting there, he got up and he said some things pretty boldly. <laughs> I said, you know, that was pretty strong words there. He goes, well, I said in love. Really? That was in love. Angry, red-faced, yelling, shouting, that's love. That doesn't sound like love. Make no mistake, I get plenty loud up here sometimes. There's a difference between being passionate and being unloving, isn't it? If you look there in verse 14 and 15, speaking the truth in love. Why? Because we don't be those who toss about with everything that comes down the, comes down the line, right? So you want to speak the truth, but how do we do it? With love. Speaking the truth of love may grow up, cause grow in what? In all things. We may grow up to be a part of what? The church, the body of Christ. Which is, which is the head, even Christ. There in verses 14 to 15. We grow because we listen and we obey the truth. Let's look at some lessons for us today. We must love properly before we can show God love to others. We must love properly before we can show God's love to others. If we're going to be those who reach out to the world around us, we have to love one another. We have to care for one another. We must show love and compassion for others and not seek it only for ourselves. There are those who are really good about wanting others to have compassion for them. When it comes time to be compassionate to others, they're not around. All of a sudden, their phone doesn't work. Phone calls go unresponded or unanswered. Messages go unpaid attention to you, whatever it may be. Because for some, concerning compassion only goes one way. Aren't you glad that God is not that way? If we fail to give Him love and compassion, He doesn't fail to give us love and compassion. It's still there. Look at Lamentations chapter 3, verses 22 and 23. It is in the Lord's mercy that we are not consumed because His compassions fail not. It is because of God's compassion that we don't die in our sins. 
because of God's compassion that we are able to overcome things that come our way, because we can go to prayer to Him, go to Him in prayer. They are new every morning. What is it? His mercy, His compassion. Every morning, great is thy faithfulness. God is always there. Sometimes we, we fail to be there for others. We fail to be there for when the world needs us. You know, it's interesting sometimes when someone's having a tough day, some of the things that will come out of their mouth reveal a lot. How they're tired of this, or they're tired of that. They wish some things were different. I'm not saying we pounce just when someone is struggling, but sometimes, friends, that door is wide open. And what can we do? We remind them where the truth and where hope and where compassion is always available in God. Look at Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. We are reminded that God's love and mercy does not fail. His compassion and mercy, she says, are there every morning there in verse 23. We may not be available every single day. When we have a chance to reach those around us, we have a chance to reach those who are in need. We need to be available. Sometimes that means we make sacrifices to, that are inconvenient. And we go from being unavailable to available. You ever think about sometimes you're going down the road, and I was using GPS this weekend because if I don't, I'll end up in the fields in Kansas somewhere. At least the most all about that. But you watch that little service bar, right? And sometimes it goes all the way down to one bar and it says no service. Which scares me because that means the map may or may not update. Now it may or may not get lost. You think about God for a second. Isn't he always within range? We can bring him anytime we want. We have someone there who will listen to our needs, listen to us giving thanks as we need to do. That to me is one of the best ways to introduce God to people, to remind them that God is always there. Because we live in a world today that is not always there. We live in a very selfish, self-centered world. Because we've forgotten that God is always listening. God is always available. And that He can guide them through anything. And they will come to Him in humble obedience to the gospel. They can receive the best guidance of all. And they can learn what true love is if they will be faithful servants of Him. This morning, as we prepare to close, you have to ask yourself a few questions. Do you have work to do in the area of showing love for others? Do you have work to do in the area of showing love for others? You think about how you talk to those who are not only inside the church, but outside the church as well. Sometimes our, we fail to realize that our love for them, our compassion for them, our concern for them can go unnoticed because we're not doing a very good job of it. Are you prepared to show God's love to others? Or do we have work to do? You know, we can still show God's love to others while we're working on ourselves as well. Because we were already, we said, I can work on me before I reach out to others. We can never reach out. So there's always work to do on ourselves. <coughs> we can bring them to the best craftsman of all who will make us better each and every day. And that's God. And we can show them how they can come to Him in humble obedience to the gospel and have the 
best person ever to listen to them, respond to them, care for them, and provide for them. This morning, as you think about those things, we can help you in any way. And come forward now. Let's go stand and sing the song that's been selected.